You're listening to episode 182 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, who now has refrigeration in his home, so life is much better for you these days, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, again, one uh, big headache out the door, which is nice, though I am knocking on wood right now as to try and prevent the next major headache that's going to happen as just part of the joys of homeownership, right? Yeah, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, exactly. So... But speaking of other shoes to drop, we're here to discuss The Librarians, Season 3, Episode 7, titled The Librarians and the Curse of Cindy. But before we get to that, as always, hey, shoot us an email, sci-fi-tv-rewatch at gmail.com. You know the drill. Send us an audio file any way you want and tweet us at sci-fi-tv-rewatch. But I think the preferred method seems to be joining the Facebook group and posting there. So whichever appeals to you, we'd love to hear from you. So, absolutely. All right. So, before we get into our discussion of the librarians episode, you want to talk a little bit about historical spoilers because we're both heavily involved with Vikings, the History Channel docudrama. Yes. I guess it's not really a docudrama; it's a historical drama. Well, it's a historical fiction drama. I right, guess. right, right. So, so it te- technically, it is sort of yeah. docudrama-ish, but whatever. yeah, I would say docu because that's loading in an air of like this is how it actually happened when so much of this stuff was not even recorded you know, especially like ragnar i don't think it was like even really recorded right like it's mostly legendary uh, you know like people wrote people wrote about way after he lived yeah hundreds of years and and so apparently ragnar did live or so we think <laughs> right it seems like there's a lot more solid stuff on the sons who were you know we're a lot more sure of their accuracy because they were the ones who were um, actually fighting the English who were the ones writing stuff down. Right. So, yeah. but, but we, anyway, the point is, so, you, you know, you, well, you are like re- obviously super involved with Vikings because you, all I'm doing is writing it or not right, read, uh, watching it. Um, whereas you're the one who's actually writing about it and everything. But, uh, and you had someone who kind of got a little bit on his high horse, I think, uh, because apparently someone who knows a lot about Viking history was kind of showing it off a little bit, I think, but, uh, trying to say like, well, don't you know the history? And you very rightly said, no, and I don't want to, you know, it's, it's like, it's like a spoiler. I'm, this is a TV show that I'm watching right now. Yeah. Right. And I thought at one point that I had read that Michael Hurst, the creator, writer, showrunner had said that he was going to be deviating, but then I read something the other day that he claimed that he's going to try to stay as true to the historical record such as it is as much as possible so so as you said i've made a concerted effort as, as i know you have to not read up on viking history because you know we watch it as a tv show we, we want to be surprised right but unfortunately and if anyone hasn't seen the most recent episode of vikings stop listening now for a couple minutes because we're going to do some spoiler stuff but i did like after that whole, you know, because honestly, and I'm going to put this out there, I didn't know that Ragnar Lofbrook was an actual person. You know, okay. I just assumed that this was, I know it's on the History Channel, so I assumed it's like, well, you know, they are accurately portray what the Viking lifestyle was like. You know, I didn't think there was actual people. And then to find out, so I was like, oh, well, I kind of want to read about Ragnar. And I did, and I realized... Oh, he he's about to die. I actually don't want to read about him. Yeah, but I couldn't unsee it, you know, like I'd already done. And so there's this scene in the last episode where, you know, he is you know, turned himself over to the English and he has the one king send him to the other king who wants to kill him. So he's basically, you know, he says his peace with his son and he's going to die. And of course, there's every indication that he is he he expects to sacrifice himself. That's why he's doing this. He 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 wants his sons to come and and rain vengeance down upon the English. And the only way he can get them to do that because they've all basically are disgusted with him. None of them follow, except for Ivar, the the boneless, follows him. So he knows the only way to get his sons to to do what he wants them to do, and that is attack the English, is by having the English kill him. So as far as just, even if it were just a story, there's really no indicators that he's going to be rescued. But yet, as he's in this cage over the pit of snakes, which I know he dies in the pit of snakes, because I read that in history, you know, if I didn't know that, 
I'm still going to be expecting at any moment for him to be rescued, you know? So honestly, it really deviates from the honest experience of watching the show, right? Because uh, knowing what happens, I didn't think, I I knew he wasn't going to be rescued, so I didn't even consider it. But in the back of my mind, I knew, like, if I if I didn't know that already, I'd be sitting here on the edge of my seat waiting for someone to come in at the last moment, and then he gets dropped down the pit of snakes. Then I would have been like, I also kind of would have been dropped in that pit of snakes. I was like, oh, my God, they actually did it. You know, I would have been way more shocked had he died. Yeah, and, and I guess to play devil's advocate, there are a lot of people that, that whatever show they're watching, that they – actually seek out spoiler information whether it's through trailers whether it's through interviews i mean look the 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 history channel's been running a series called real vikings after the episodes and i and i had to stop watching the one about the viking men because it was clear that they were spoiling things so yeah i mean i guess there's we've kind of come to this conclusion before it's just very difficult to avoid like i said with with westworld you know there's like the casual comment by one of our coworkers spoiled that for me. You know, I'm like, oh, well, whatever. You know, now I can't unsee that. I can't unhear that. So, I mean, it's it's. I guess it's it's almost impossible to remain spoiler free. But then, you know, it it then does. I think take away from the the natural experience of of watching a show where you don't know what to expect at all. Like for librarians. I didn't want to know that a character is going to die. Sure. Because now all I could do is look around, see who is it, who's going to die, who's you know who's it going to be. Um, right. And I'm after tonight, of, we've only got three left because you know nobody was really in any danger tonight. Right. In right. this episode. So were there any? But so I don't know. Do you want to say anything more about Vikings? No, I'm I'm good with that. Um, you know, and, and I think it, it's it's certainly something that that you and I have talked a little bit about here and there that the television viewing experience is changing so much, not only because of all the spoiler stuff available, but but because of the uh, the the trend now for networks like uh, Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime to dump an entire season in one fell swoop, which, which again, a lot of people like that, but that's a conversation for another day. Right. Well, it was the conversation we had today. Right. But I mean, on, on <laughs> yes. the podcast. Right. Gotcha. So maybe next week. So, all right. Well, we're here to talk about the librarians and the curse of Cindy, which is season three, episode seven, Written by Gareth Roberts, who, yeah, he's kind of a big deal. Seven oh, episodes yeah. of Doctor Who, including one of our favorites. I mean, I, I you know, top 10, top 15, whatever, but I really love the Shakespeare Code. Expelliarmus. Yeah. Ah, that's such a great one. Uh, one of my absolute, absolute favorite Doctor Who episodes ever. It's yeah. incredible. And then with that, the uh, the Unicorn and the Wasp which was another kind of pseudo-historical one, with this time with Agatha Christie rather than Shakespeare. Right, and also Planet of the Dead, which is a favorite of mine yep. as well. Yep. Uh, also and The Lodger. Ep- right, 10 episodes of Sarah Jane Chronicles, which I've really never seen any. Have you? Yeah, I watched the first two seasons. And I actually just saw it. It's on Netflix now. Oh, so. okay. Um, yeah, back when I first got into Doctor Who, um, I want, and the I could only get the first two seasons. That was like all that was available. It wasn't on Netflix, but I just saw that it's on either Netflix or Amazon Prime, one of those. Um, so I might might be doing a little Sarah Jane watching soon. All right, cool. Well, this one was directed by Nina Lopez Corrado, who did three episodes of Supernatural, and she's directing an upcoming episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, episode 12 of season four. So we got that to look forward to. And this one, of course, aired January 1st, 2017 first time i get to say that all right yeah so uh you know it's an episode that 15 minutes maybe even 20 minutes in i'm thinking i like it it's pretty good but what are they going for here but then the last 40 minutes or so really started coming together so i mean first impressions on your end First impressions is Gareth Roberts wrote it, and so I absolutely love it. Okay, but why? <laughs> well, actually, I, I, I know I'm backtracking here, but I, I wanted to mention one thing because I actually want a pronunciation guide for you. But Gareth Roberts wrote the novelization of Shada, which was this 
a Douglas Adams Doctor Who story that never was f- completely produced. Like they filmed half of it, then there was a strike, and they just never went back and filmed the rest of it. Oh. Um, but like four, five years, four years ago, I guess, Gareth Roberts did a novelization of that story that was really good. So that was just another way that Gareth Roberts is super awesome. So anyway, so what did I think of it besides Gareth Roberts wrote it? Um, you know, I liked it. I, I liked that it was funny. Um, bring back a little of that uh, kind of lighthearted humor. Also that, you know, it, it you know kind of made a lot of comments about like, you know, not just further the story along, but, um, you know, definitely there's some commentary in there about society, right? Yeah, no question. And, and of course, we got that cease and desist order. So we're not allowed to say that word that begins with O because Calvin Klein sent me an email earlier in the afternoon. Did they, they blocked so, saying? We, nope, can't say the word. Don't, uh, don't, don't. You're going to have to edit it out because uh, how I, we, we're going to I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the social commentary and Again, one of the things, and I am going to have to get back to Black Mirror. Somebody else brought it up to me today and and the whole idea of focusing on technology and how it impacts our daily life. But but certainly here, that obsession versus love, which is obviously at, at the forefront, but the cult of personality, and of course that harkens back to my... One right. of my all-time favorite bands, Living Color. Yeah, didn't that—that that was the uh, the intro music, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, certainly that's a big part of this. The you know a little bit about reality television, but but clearly that wasn't the focus, really. No, definitely not. But you know, those little nuggets that they throw in there were you know uh, really good, and that scene. Well, I don't know we'll talk about where you know, Cindy's watching herself being voted off the show. That was like heartbreaking you know well you know and and then i thought about it why is she watching herself why is she putting herself through that is it simply because it produces the tears she needs for the love potion well yes that's what she's doing the whole time right right absolutely um so i think that's like a practical part of it but if we look at in kind of like another um light to say that you know like she's kind of this code of hers now is that I will never let that happen again. So what's the best way to make sure that never happens again is to continually remind yourself over and over again of the pain you experienced so that you are vigilant against that never happening again. Right. Now, would you say it's fair to label this an Ezekiel Jones episode? Not Ezekiel Jones-centric, but he's really the main librarian that we see in this episode. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, that's pretty fair, except for the fact that he was totally unaware of the existence, existence of the missile. Well, that's, that's true. <laughs> uh, the love missile. <laughs> oh, nice. Now, I mean, clearly it was good to see him in a caring light, caring for somebody other than himself. And, and that was a, a nice twist there that, that, that that's why he was immune to the love potion because he was already so in love with himself. But, that idea of science and magic, magic corrupts, and he tells Cindy, it's not your fault. And, you know, it's something we're used to hearing from Stone all the time, Eve to a certain extent. But Jones, it was certainly out of character, but it was nice to hear him you know, really step up and say that because, you know, that that is one of the the underlying themes that's been running throughout this whole series, not just this season. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also this kind of, while there is this idea that they've said over and over again about how corrupting magic is, you know, Flynn reveals that his trick of saying we're the librarians and always getting access is because it's an incantation. Or is he just playing with stone? I don't think so. Okay. Because, like, seriously, how does it work all the time like that, really, you know? Well, he just like knows how to case, say it. Yeah, but, he, yeah. I don't know. I mean. No, no, that's that's certainly an excellent point. And, and again, it's it's been one of the, the plot points that's been really a lot of fun and interesting to watch 
You know, I mean, you know, it wasn't too many episodes back that they really had to use magic to get away from the Norse gods. Right. So now I, I like how they incorporated Dosa into this episode. We've been a little critical uh, of the fact that Dosa hasn't really played enough of a role, given that they were sort of introduced as one of the season's uh, villains. They don't come across as bumbling fools. On the con- well, I mean, and that's the thing. On the con- uh, uh, at the beginning, on the surface, they seem to be a somewhat formidable foe. But then, of course, we learn why that is, or do we? You know, I mean, is it strictly because they're under her sway? Yeah. I, well, I, I think I'm sure, like these guys. I mean, they're dressed in like you know um, SWAT kind of gear, and so we assume that these guys are trained and everything but yet you know like the guy lets lets them go he doesn't let them go but they escape from the dosa dude and and they're once again really just kind of getting in the way of things well he slugs him right yeah and she's a southpaw did we know that did we notice that before dude i noticed that as well and then i looked okay what side is his bruise on and they had it on the correct side well, I, I went the other way around. I noticed that the bruise was on the right side. I guess this comes from teaching uh, To Kill a Mockingbird all the time, you know? But, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> but I saw the bruise was on the right side. So I'm like, wait, uh, because I was all ready for like a you know, continuity error here. And so I wound it back. And sure enough, she hits him with the left. Well, it's funny. You, you mentioned continuity errors when I went back and did my rewatch and noticed on you know this big gated mansion – I forget what the letter was, but it wasn't a C for Cindy. And I'm thinking like, okay, that's what's the deal. But of course it was the letter for the chef who actually owned the house that then gave it to Cindy. Yes. So, well, the opening scene I thought was pretty cool. You got the distraught mother sneaking into this cult compound with all of these flower children. So it doesn't seem like the kind of cult that we hear about and see about on television because they all seem incredibly right. happy. It, yeah. It looks more like a sixties commune, you know, it looks like Woodstock or something. Yeah. Like peace, love, happiness. Uh, the mother runs into her daughter who, you know, seems no worse for wear. I mean, she doesn't seem to be like a lot of the other ones that maybe she's actually quite fetching. Right. Uh, but, but you know, a lot of these other people just perhaps were exposed to too much Cindy. <laughs> Too right. much obsession. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever? You, you, I don't know, have you? Do you ever like wear obsession or anything like that? No. Okay. That was kind of like when I was in. I think it was high school that it was like kind of a new thing that uh, it was like all all the guys like were wearing obsession. Isn't that like a girl's fragrance? No, they make obsession for men. Oh. And so it's pretty fashionable back okay. in the, uh, in the late eighties. If you say so. And then it was Drakkar after that. I actually still have my bottle of Drakkar from, from college. <laughs> okay. Well, if you still wear that stuff, every time we go uh, up to Boscov's and my wife buys something, the women know her and know me, and they throw all these samples in the bag. And I, I feel like saying, no, I'm not going to ever use them. I'll bring them in. No, uh, you know, I, I put, like, again, I, I, I just told you, I still have my bottle of Drakkar from 1990. So, uh, you know, it's like I don't I don't get to wear it very often. I don't put it on very often. So. Okay, I think the last time I gave the uh, a batch to Danielle and she took them home to her husband. Oh, okay. So yeah. Uh, all right. Well, the Clippings book sends the team to investigate the cult of Cindy. No known photographs, and again, as you mentioned a minute ago, facing an obstacle were the librarians, which works for Flynn and Stone was priceless again. So, but so they, like, I just want to take a step back because I, you know, I did notice that it's kind of obvious that you know they they bring in this older lady who's looking for her daughter and finds her and is like, oh, we're getting you out of here right now. I mean, clearly the setup here is to show that the people who are there are not necessarily willingly there, right? Like we know this lady isn't there because she loves Cindy and wants to become part of this group. She wants to get her daughter. But obviously, we're going to see her later. And of course, when we do see her later, she's now been converted and she is now a worshiper. So we understand the people there are innocent, right? So they don't like 
not that they're under any threat, but should they be under a threat? We wouldn't want them to be under a threat because we know that it's not their fault that they are under the spell of Cindy. Right. And and at this point, we really don't know, and nor do the librarians, know whether it's a magic artifact or really what's going on. And, and, and obviously, we come to learn that it's a, a love potion. And it seems as if she it's sprays obsession it. potion. Right, she's oh, exactly, which is more accurate as as Jenkins points out, and, and and clearly there's a difference, and that's maybe the the main theme of the episode that there's a big difference between love and obsession. All right, well, like we said, it's like a festival atmosphere in there, and we learn that Cindy periodically holds a crew challenge to see who gets the opportunity to live with her, which at this point doesn't really have any meaning. Of course, as we learn more of her story. It has a lot of meaning as it seems she's trying to relive what was perhaps the lowest moment of her life when she was right. voted unanimously out of the house. Right. Like viciously. Yes. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah exactly. As Ezekiel notes, who happened to be watching the show and happened to notice cindy which you know it's another issue where he keeps saying you know where do i know her from where do i know her from and 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 i thought immediately she was going to turn out to be that girl and i think it was in season two uh when they were at the college campus and there was the other the girl that that had an affinity right she uh, looks a lot like her with cassandra but of course i remember she looked like which is funny because and and i said this to you before like as Ezekiel's saying, I know you from somewhere. Like, I'm saying the same thing, too. Like, I so have seen her before. But when I looked on IMDb, I so haven't seen her before. <laughs> I haven't seen anything that she's been in. But she just has, I think, you know, like I said, she looks like that. I, well, I don't know if she even looks like But my, from my memory of that girl when they went back to college, like, I totally agree with you. I mean, that's who she reminds me of. So... You know, she's just maybe kind of has a face. No, I'm not saying she's got a common face. She's very pretty. Um, but just like a face that you feel like you've seen before. You know? Right. But we get to the end of the episode or maybe not even quite the end. And Ezekiel realizes where he knows her from. And, and we really learn that, uh, you know, I don't know that Stone's wrong when when he says to Ezekiel that, you were immune not because you were in love with yourself, but because you were already in love with her. Yeah, but if that were the case, then he would have you know, recognized her right away. Or, well, that's my problem. So, right? or because as we are you suggesting, saying, Gareth Roberts messed up? No, 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 no. Because I'm telling you that didn't happen, son. Okay, but <laughs> <laughs> but then we go back to it's not as you so correctly pointed out. It's not a love potion. It's an obsession potion. So then are we to believe that he was obsessed with her? Again, I doubt it because he would have remembered it, right? Or was he obsessed with reality television? Is that kind of the point uh, that that we're trying to make here in the show? I think they just threw that in. Like I didn't like that whole thing at the end with Stone anyway. I thought that that was too much. Um, Well, see, I like the fact that they were – teasing each other so much it, w- w- with jones using his phone to to film stone right no, that was hilarious and flynn and then back at the you know, uh, library them watching it and, and by the same token stone kind of teasing jones flynn kind of teasing stone about you know being able to just say the words were the librarians and, and it always works for him so i i liked a lot of that that playful interplay uh-huh because it just shows, again, that that it's a team and maybe on Flynn's end, starting to open up a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, or at least, you know, working as part of a team that he does once again go running off on his own. Okay. Now, now, you know, you mentioned things that you didn't like or, you know, things that didn't quite work. The one thing for me was when Stone brings up that, well, they're not really a cult because they don't have any beliefs. And I'm thinking like, well, dude, you've been here like five minutes. How do you know? <laughs> right. Well, I, he just sees them as worshiping Cindy and so not being really having established set of beliefs, but just worship around one person, which you're absolutely right. He's only been there for about five minutes. So how does he really know? Yeah. You're but, something about Cindy though. Okay. So 
when they first when Cindy first begins to appear before the title pops in, you just see her backlit as she begins to emerge from the door, and she looks almost like a space alien. Like yes. you think like it's gonna be like a silver thing, you know? And you're like, oh, that's weird. And then uh, and then of course just a a, a you know a a person pops out who is not a space alien and uh, you know i thought that was kind of funny how they did that well well, the first time though they don't have anybody come out do they i right. think it's, no, it's right. done the no, second time you, you just it's just backlit and you see she's uh, like about to emerge but it seems yes. like it's like this kind of alien type creature and then um and then when they come out after the title you know sh- she pops through and it's, it's right well, I, I thought it was really well done yeah it's yeah. great it's, it's really really good yeah. Well, I, I then love the way that Eve and Cassandra sneak in as florists. And and we do learn that, according to Jenkins, sunflowers symbolize unrequited love. But I, I happened to look it up. And, and they've also been known to symbolize adoration, loyalty, right. which obviously makes perfect sense here yeah, as well. Yeah, because that's the whole story of the sunflower, right? The uh, woman uh, was in uh, obsessed with uh, Apollo and so he turned her into a flower, and so she just follows his flight across the sky all day. Right. And and again, we're we're back to a little bit of Greek mythology here, which is yeah. always always a welcome. I, I think so, I'm partial to the Greeks more than the Norse gods and, and more than the Roman gods. Well, we probably just have more experience with them. But I, I like the Norse myths a lot, too. But another thing, though, with the flowers was the, uh, one other – I don't know if you noticed – I noticed it because it's my wife's favorite flower. It's a stargazer lily, which if I had been Cassandra and she had handed me that, I would have been sneezing like crazy. It's this like horrible irony of our marriage that my wife's favorite flower is like this flower that I am super allergic to. Wow. It might actually be a comment about our marriage now that I think about it. (laughs) Oh. No, they're they're really super beautiful flowers, but then when when they're done- the pollen just gets everywhere, and I am like totally allergic to it, and I just like have like really bad allergic reactions once it. But I still buy them. For, see, this is how much I like. I love her. Is that I, you know, I still buy her stargazer lilies all the time, even though I know it's gonna like I'm gonna be suffering because of it. You so, just make sure you don't put them in the same room as the flat screen TV. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you've been married a while. You know that. Yeah. Well, that, I, I just know to get rid of them before they pollinate. You know, like if I can get them out of the house before then, I'm good. Okay. Now the other thing is, as we learn more about Cindy, and we realize that she's just this sweet young woman who was just treated horribly by these people on the show, and that she's just gone way too far over the top. I mean, we've got an adoration chamber, we've got a worship statue. We got a missile for crying out loud. Right. Yeah, right. You said love missile. And that reminded me of, do you remember the, the song uh, Love Missile F-111? I don't. By Zig Zig Sputnik? No, I never heard of them. It's another 80s classic. I think I might have it on 12-inch, actually. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that has nothing to do with anything, actually. But uh, But yeah, you're right. And who, I mean, like, I think... Most people probably at some point in their life have been picked on or the victim of bullying. And who doesn't think like, well, you know, I'm going to come back someday and I'm going to be like, like famous or like, you know, rich or something like that. And all the people who, you know, picked on me when we were little, they're just going to suck on it now, you know. And so this is kind of her, you know, reaction to that kind of similar emotion uh, take it to a very extreme level, as you said. Right. And we don't really get the total backstory because really this is a combination of science and magic, perhaps even more science than magic. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe. I mean, certainly. But how did she initially come up with this potion? I mean, wh- is it due to APEP getting involved? Is Agnes the hairdresser? Well, I mean, Agnes is simply the the woman. I I call her her. Uh, at first, before we realized, I learned her name. I called her uh, her Breaking Bad chemist. <laughs> yeah, right. Her Walter White. No, her Jesse. She's like Jesse. Right now, because um, because I assume she was just some woman that Apep then inhabited. 
Right. But I think she was Cindy's makeup artist because Cindy says, and I think she says, I don't know if she says Agnes, but she definitely says that her makeup artist said, I have something that can cure all this. Right. So I assume that Agnes was the makeup artist who was inhabited by APEP who saw in Cindy a great way to cause chaos. Okay. Or maybe this was his. Maybe he engineered the vote somehow, you know? I I don't know. That's kind right. Of, it's kind of going out there a little bit, I think. But <laughs> um, but anyway, I mean, somehow they, they really, I think basically what we're, we're trying to say here is that they really kind of gloss over that part of the plot. Right. So which we is, probably should too. Well, well, yeah, right, right, which is okay because, you know, then it kind of leads into the famous chef that's working in this elaborate kitchen. That's which really like – what, like I mean, we talk about plot. Like, why? Why? Why is there a chef involved in this at all? Because she needs somebody to make a special mac and cheese. <laughs> but it seems like a pretty minor plot point to pay like an actor. I can't. I don't know, how much does it cost to hire a person who has like? I mean, he has lines, right? So he's in the Screen Actors Guild. So how much did it cost them to have this guy on for a very throwaway plot point? Hey. I don't know, but I, I guess I mean you. No, you I'm say just saying throw- here, John Rogers. You know, you just if you want to cut some costs here, I mean, I can help you out, bro. Okay. Well, I see. I like then you're you, the, they could have still gotten this point across without him uttering a line. I suppose. Yeah, they, but- they, they, they could have the lady could be set up in there. She the you know she has her chemistry set in the kitchen and. It, it could be just the same. Like, oh, hey, there's the kitchen. Kevin just said, well, that's weird. Well, let's move on to the next thing. And then later on, oh, now we realize the significance of the chemistry set. The whole thing with this chef in there is just like there's no – I just don't see the, the, the point or the need of that character at all. Well, I, I guess the way I looked at it is the irony of having this world-class chef who's there to prepare – mac and cheese i mean look who yeah. doesn't who doesn't like mac and cheese but, it, no, but it's, it's it. sort of emblematic of the youth the innocence that that cindy really sure. uh, exudes and that at her heart she is just this wounded little kid and I, that so that's why i think the, you know the the chef it could have been look it could have been somebody's mother that made the mac and cheese. Right. But I, I guess I just like the irony of having the. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. That's a fair point. And there. that plus he then provides the home. Right. But again, cult. easy enough to write in a plot device that why they're in this house. Okay. Well, that that's true. Now. You don't it, need a famous it, chef. Well, the other question that, that at this point we're starting to really try to piece together is what's the deal with these DOSA soldiers? Because Prior to this, we've only seen DOSA agents in their black suits, the the right. traditional men in black. Right. So now we see them, now as you say, in, in SWAT, uh, team. SWAT team gear. And we're wondering, and, and we kind of get our answer pretty quickly, whether or not they're under Cindy's spell. But they do seem to be operating at a relatively high level of efficiency, which is not something we've seen in the past. Well, they get the love missile, you know. Yeah. And, and inside love the love missile. shack. Right. <laughs> There you go. Well, uh, again, Jones breaks into the the barn where, where they're working with the missile. As soon as they break in, they come right out with the uh, with the soldiers. But then they're put into a room. Cindy walks in, sprays an atomizer, and Stone immediately falls under her spell. And you know, we always talk about Jacob Stone quoting poetry, and how on the one hand. It doesn't get old, but on the other hand, maybe they shouldn't do it every episode. So he he doesn't go too far, but my love knows no bounds was the line that did stick with me. Yeah. Was that, is that like an actual poem he's quoting? It probably is. I didn't look it up. It it just seemed like kind of like poetic type language. And and it's something we've said about Stone. We'd almost rather hear his own words than him quoting Right. Famous writers. Sure, sure. Because but we get that, and we get Cassie doing the uh, the two hands apart thing. Well, oh, right, right. You know. And it wasn't as cool as last week. No. I mean, last week, it was a lot easier to, exactly. I mean, we did get the explosion in the, in this one tonight. Right. So when, when Cindy comes in, right, and she's like, 
So you could be my sunflower. She says you could be my sunflower, right? I think that's right. what she says to Jacob. And she says it like a cool way that if she had said that to me, I'd be like, uh, yeah, yeah, I will be. You know? <laughs> so you wouldn't even need like a love potion or whatever. So. Right. Right. Well, well, the other thing I love is, is that, of course, Jones is not affected and, and Cindy immediately notices that. And then the next thing you know, Stone starts revealing details about the library, which piques her interest, of course. And then Jones is like, you know, ixnay on the library lay. Right. <laughs> which was, like, you know, is, we, we see Cindy as this this young person, not not really a child, obviously. But, but Jones, sometimes he is so childlike. And, and certainly for all his talents, this was one of those instances which, you know, I thought worked really well. Yeah, absolutely. But I, even though Stone just keeps going on about the magic. Right. Well, because, you know, he's under her spell and I guess is trying to, you know, impress her. Right. And and then, you know, the line as Flynn walks in and he's clearly under Cindy's spell, there was some question whether or not Flynn was faking it. And now we know he's not. Because right. he's, he's been cleaning, he's got the rubber gloves and the brush. <laughs> and Jones' line, how awesomely pathetic, <laughs> as he snaps pictures with his phone because right. he's, he's thinking one step ahead, always. But then we learn about Project Aphrodite, which is, again, perfect. That's her sure. big project that she's anxious to put into motion. And, and look, coming on the heels of the man in the high castle, which as I told you, I just finished season two yeah, I loved it. Uh, yesterday. And, and, and again, on a smaller scale, I mean, that's, she's going to nuke the East coast here. Yeah. Right. With her obsession potion. And, you right, know, except we, we, not San Francisco this time, but the, the East. The, exactly. But we see the impact that it potentially would have. And, and, and clearly she didn't really think this through, but when Jones throws the atomizer down amongst all her, her worshipers and you see them literally tearing each other apart. I mean, my gosh, what would it have done had the missile been fired? Right. Yeah. Well, walking dead, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Is that then you would have had to watch an, a zombie show, Dave. Yeah, well, that's the one. I, I went. You know what? I was I was talking to somebody the other day, and I went back and I was I was looking at our podcast. And I'm like, damn, he got me to watch four zombie movies. <laughs> did I? Yeah, because nice. we did Twenty Eight Days Later. Twenty Days Later, yeah, and Shaun War, of the Dead, and World War Z. World War Z, right? What else did we do? And there was one more, one more zombie movie. I'm I'm almost positive. Wow. But, I'm impressed with myself. I didn't I know, that. and and I don't th- I don't think I hated them. No, they're all awesome movies. You can't hate any uh, of those movies. Yeah. All right, so Project Aphrodite's underway, and you, you know we we find out about the sunflowers, and Jenkins mentions unrequited love, and and certainly, you know, it, it, we we get it, but that's really not what Cindy's problem is. I mean, it, it kind of is. I mean, she, as she says, when she gets voted out that, you know, I thought you all were my friend. I, you know, in fact, she abstains. Right. With her vote. Right. Which is dumb. Like, well, which is dumb if you're playing the game as right. it's meant to be played. <laughs> the, the one person dropped a poop emoji on you, man. That was, oh, that was that cold. Was rough. <laughs> oh oh my goodness. That was that was rough. I mean, like, but, as far as it, it was funny, but then, like, at first it was funny, because especially you see the emojis, the poop emoji was hilarious. Um, but then you see her reaction, and now it's like, well, it's not funny at all. But they are still laughing at her and bumping fists and everything. It's just like, wow, that is, those those people are, are really, really horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, speaking of horrible, we... we been talking a little bit about what kind of a leader Vanessa Williams is as the head of DOSA. Well, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but DOSA brought the missile for Cindy. So Vanessa Williams didn't notice that there was a missile missing? Well, I don't... Did, well, well here, here's another plot point, you, that, which is a good, a good point. Like, 
Yeah, where did the missile come from? Yeah, we would assume, I guess, that, you know, I hadn't even thought about before right now. I guess the natural assumption is that, yeah, that DOSA, you know, brought the missile somehow or another, or they, the DOSA guys created it, because there's all kinds of scientific instrumentation around there. Right, and and now, look, we know DOSA tracks magic, so she had the obsession potion already in play, so they would have been attracted to that. Their instruments perhaps picked that up, and that's why they came there. And then once they fell under her sway, she said, oh, I need you guys to go get me a missile. So that's the way I'm looking at how the and missile got like a there. whole ground control oh, thing, yeah. too. <laughs> right. like, uh, you know, while you're back there, you know, yeah. bring, bring whatever all, we need. Bring the whole room over with you. Then we get back to the library, and Jenkins has Stone and Flynn restrained as he's trying to administer an antidote, and and, and that was a, a a nice scene. I mean, it doesn't add a whole lot to the overall arc, but but certainly when he administers it, and they stop being obsessed with Cindy, and now they're obsessed with each other. You are a really good looking man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was very funny. You have yeah. piercing eyes. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. That was um, good. So Jones sneaks into Cindy's room, and and this is really where we have, I, I think, the most compelling scenes in, in the entire episode. He finds her watching the video of herself lamenting the fact that she thought she had found people that liked her. So I guess we go back to the unrequited love, and, and okay, that, I guess that's fair to say that. And we're just wondering what happened to set her over the edge. I mean, is it the kind of thing where she finds one person that likes her and it's like, okay, if I use this potion, this person will will like me. And she doesn't see it as obsession. Right. She just sees it as as, as adoration. Exactly. I mean, actually I think she thinks it's love. Right. Um because yeah, I mean, well, it was just this really horrible going from, you know, the one time she's being interviewed, she's saying, This is the first time in my life I've had friends. Right. Yeah. And so she's totally, she's on cloud nine because she has people who she likes and she thinks that they like her. And then to suddenly realize that they didn't like her ever at all. That's like this really harsh realization. But are, is it unfair because really they're just playing the game? I mean, that's like, you know, any kind of a competitive contest, whether it's a sporting event or whatever, uh, you know, you're playing the game. I mean, fine, you can respect your opponent. You can shake his or her hand after the game, but right. on, you got you got to do whatever it is to win. Yeah, that's a good point. But it just seemed like such a completely vicious, you know, it's beyond just playing the game, you know. It's just so nasty and horrible. Right, you could have just written her name on the card. Yeah, and to, to, to revel in it, to laugh at her. Uh, as she's sitting there saying, I thought you were my friends, they just laugh at her even more. That's just awful, you right. know. Like well, what, I, I would, I, I if I had done that, I would have been like, oh, I feel so bad. I'm sorry, Cindy, but you know, it's just that's the game, right? Well, but these people why, are laughing at her, right? Which is why I thought it was so significant that the secret ingredient is tears, her right. own tears. Sure, at least at this point. So, um, you know, we so we find all that stuff out about the reality show and all that, but but then. Jones is really trying to console her, and she asks him, well, you know, how did you do it? And he tells her, I don't need other people to validate me. Right. That's a good line. Yeah, and that she doesn't need them either. You know, that, that whole thing that, you know, you the two of us are a lot alike, and, you know, he mentions his difficult childhood. Whether or not it was actually true, or is Jones just maybe weaving a story because he know it will help her? I don't I don't think he is weaving a story. Okay. I think I mean from what we've seen of of Jones like are you, are you talking about like his backstory? Yeah, yeah, his backstory. Yeah. I I believe it, you know? Okay. Because you could see how someone who you know, grew up like that would come to, you know, like I mean he took again an extreme reaction to the hurt and pain of being rejected as a, as a, as a youth. He took it to a pretty extreme level as well, though not nearly, obviously, as extreme as Cindy is. But right, he took but, it to extreme. Right. And and then to have the insight to tell her, and, and I thought it was, again, really touching. He takes her hand. 
that what these people show is not love, it's obsession, and it's only going to get worse. And, you know, trying to make her see and at the same time, you know, build up her self-esteem a little bit that, that you know, you're not alone, which, again, is part of the human condition that, that everybody faces at one time or another, that, you know, the, the stuff I'm going through, I'm not the only one going through it. And it's also like we have this kind of commentary on on our society because she's like, or I'm sorry, Ezekiel says, how many people, how many followers do you need? He says followers, right? Yeah. And she's like, you know, I just need more. Like, and, and it's this kind of like this, like how we need, like in, in the social media, all the followers, how many likes do I get every time? And then, which calls to mind, you mentioned Black Mirror earlier, that Bryce Dallas Howard episode of Black Mirror, which is all based on people rate ranking each other every time they have an interaction. You know, and it's just how the world has kind of gone a little bit mad in that way. Yeah, and that, you know, we then get to see that scene where he throws that atomizer down into the crowd of Cindy's followers, but the effect is, is catastrophic. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Euripides play, the Bacchants, but, you know, Dionysus gets upset. Uh, at his followers and basically he he i forget what he does he causes them to lose control and they literally tear each other to pieces you know the the one woman sees what turns out to be her son as a mountain lion and, and she literally tears his head off and puts it on a pike and you know all of this because they're not worshiping him enough that's and, messed up it is, but it was almost like that frenzy when, when Jones throws that down. I, I, again, I think it is meant to show how dangerous obsession really can become. Yeah. Well, and that's what Jenkins was saying the whole time, right? Right. Right. Now, meanwhile, Cassandra and Eve are trying to escape the freezer. And, and I love, now granted, she brings out the scientific reason why this is going to work but i love cassandra really basically doing what jones would ordinarily do which is pop the panel on you know whatever and start you know moving wires around and all of that and and of course she gets the temperature dropped eve kicks the door open but then eve says yeah, it seemed like very woolly kind of science there but ah, okay but i yeah, liked it we'd let it go though right but what but what i did like and again this is probably me thinking i'm still watching lost 7 or 8 years later oh no we're we getting a lost reference on this show not exactly eve says i know what to do tells cassandra to grab an onion red or white and i'm thinking like okay is this a callback to the through the looking glass episode Oh. Is there some kind of meaning, red or white? She picked right. red. No, it, I, I forget what Eve says, but she clearly, says the white. Okay. Maybe I think the, which at first, we yeah, we don't really get at first, but on the second watch, oh yeah, because I guess that's the one that will bring about more tears. No, okay, that's what I figured. I, I don't usually buy red onions. I only buy sweet onions. Vidalia yeah. when they're in season. I don't like Vidalia onions. Really? Yeah. Wow, you don't like sweet onions? No, either? I mean, I don't. Not that I don't like them, but I prefer like regular yellow onions. I, oh. or I really like the red onions. Oh, okay. All the right. stronger the onion. That's, that's what I thought. Red onions were stronger, right? That's what I thought. I mean, they they always seem to taste a little stronger to me. But I maybe they taste stronger, but maybe they don't. They're not as tear producing. Yeah. So, well, we've got the countdown to the launch. The whole world will love you. Is is you know, really the, the notion that she's operating under, but we learned that the potion won't work without being activated by tears, which now we say, oh, that's why the onions. But at this point, it's not Cindy, it's Agnes, who's got her own potion. She's got Dosa working for her now. And, you know, we don't really ever see any kind of a Cindy's followers versus Agnes's followers. Yeah, you know, it'd been funny if they like started dancing like a West Side Story, like they had like a little musical number. Oh, that would be funny. <laughs> uh, but so I guess the idea is here we we give an overdose of the obsession potion, and that's what sends the Dosa guys off. Right, which is it's funny because you know she comes up with the same solution that Ezekiel came up with, but they didn't share this information with each other. Right. 
Right. So now, so, it, by the it, way, I looked it up, and the red onions are sweeter and milder. Oh, okay. So, oh. so that's why so, Eve has her pick the yellow. Okay. She and knows her cooking as well. All right. So then, well, not only does she know her cooking, she knows her missile launching yeah. buttons. Because as she said, and of course, this took me back to an episode of the X-Files that I know you didn't see because you were in college and you had more important things to do than stay home at Friday night and watch TV. Right. I get that. <laughs> but Mulder's down in some South American country and, and with this guy that doesn't speak English. And finally, he's like, no ho on the rojo. <laughs> right. Don't push the red button. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, there's also David Tennant's first episode of Doctor Who. With, uh, you know, which he actually says the number of episodes. I always love a big red button, right? No. You remember when he was in like the, the bathrobe the whole time? He was asleep most of the episode. I, I, I do, yeah. At the very end, he pushes a big red button that did something. Yeah. I can't remember. Save yeah. the day. Right. Basically. All right. So then we get to the point where, you know, the missile's not going to launch. And then we cut to Jones and Cindy having a quiet moment by the pool. And, you know, again, this scene we never see jones in and and we've talked for how many weeks now about when are we going to see a jones centric episode and and you know seeing a jones Jones get a little right well that too but you know she wants to know how he fixed the hole in his heart and and as he says it's and and i'm thinking like this sounds like something out of the wizard of oz it's not about who loves you but who you love you love right 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 and he explains that i found somebody that's worthy of my love and right, obviously meaning the team arrogant way of saying it but yeah well it, well that's true we kind of get what he's saying though right and then she grabs him and kisses him and yeah. then he's like wow then like and, see ya right like well yeah he leans in kisses her on the forehead yeah what's up with that i'll see you around i mean dude yeah like, dude is right but so the i mean it's I know what the question is. Okay. Should I leave it on on Aston? (laughs) Because to me... I think the answer is no. (laughs) Well, then I'm not sure what the question was. (laughs) You don't think he's gay? Oh, no. That wasn't the question. Oh, I thought that was the question. Has he ever gotten any? Oh. Well, that might be... Well, I... I don't know. He must have. Yeah. Well, I don't know. World-class thief. Like... You would think. He had that. uh, Oh, he's got it right here. Come on. You know he. Well, all right. Anyway. (laughs) But I I mean, so, I mean, I'm wondering whether he's not like really into girls too much. You Uh, know? Yeah, it could be. It's possible. Because I mean, great. It was sweet that she kissed him and he like immediately is like, oh, I got to go. But it seems like if he's like into chicks, then to her. Like, he'd want to kiss her more, maybe, or something. Okay, yeah. but if we really wanted, and, and I agree with you, but if we really wanted to dig deep here, perhaps what he realized here is that perhaps it's not love, perhaps it's not affection that he has for her, but perhaps it is really obsession, and he's afraid of what he might do, and that for him it's better to walk away, remove himself from the situation, get some distance, and when he says, see, I'll see you around, leaves it open that perhaps they, they could reconnect yeah. at some point. So, yeah. I mean, my – and I'm not saying that's what I think, but I'm just saying my interpretation is, is I understand it's very simplistic. Um, and it probably is – whereas yours is much more complex and probably is more accurate, I think. Well, that's because I'm an English teacher. Right. Well, so am I. But, you know, like sometimes <laughs> Occam's razor, you know. Good point. <laughs> All right, it so just we get, seems so awkward. I'm like, why no, is he just? He she just kissed him. And he's like, I gotta leave. But and I he guess kisses her on the forehead. On the forehead, you kiss your sister on the forehead, dude. I, I know, but I, you know? I I guess at the end, you know, we we see how innocent, how naive she is. Now, I I don't think we'd say that Jones is naive, but you know, maybe he is about relationships because we don't know his backstory i mean you know we know some of stone's backstory we know that you know while maybe it's not fair to say he's a ladies man but but we certainly know he likes women and and that you know it's it's you know not something 
that's foreign to him. We certainly know, you know, Eve's had relationships. Flynn, for goodness sake, has had many. Sure. And and is involved with, with Eve at this point. We don't know about Jenkins, but my gosh, he's Galahad, for goodness sake. So. <laughs> right. He's been around quite some time. Yeah. I but he was like, he like used to sort a time or two. Yeah. Oh, now Dave. <laughs> All right. What were you going to say? No, I wasn't going to say anything. I was just admonishing you. What can your, you say after that? Yeah, exactly. All right, so we get to the epilogue, and, and we're back at the library. They're all watching Stone and Flynn making fools of themselves on uh, Jones' video. But at the heart of Cindy, of course, was Apep spreading obsession, not love, and that Apep has to go back to his sarcophagus to regenerate. And, and we learn that Dosa has the sarcophagus. Yeah. But clearly, Apex can come and go and not trip the laser alarm. Yeah, like yeah, I like that they got lasers around it. Well done, Dosa, once again. Right. So you know that that's kind of where we are, and you know, not not that I think that we're worried that Dosa's working with Apex because I don't think that's the case, but rather that. There's going to be some look. We've only got three episodes left. I mean, what kind of a role is Dosa going to play down right. the road? I mean, yeah. somebody's got to play some kind of role. I mean, what's the point of introducing both? True. So, yeah, good point. So, uh, anything else you want to mention? Well, okay. So, a couple of things. First of all, uh, back earlier when uh, Flynn goes into the house on his own and uh, Cassandra says, I thought he wasn't going to take off on his own anymore. And he says, he's always been wily. <laughs> I did notice that. Did you catch that? Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, this is a great line. Oh, the uh, the old people asked him to take a selfie. And, oh, uh, and Jones' reaction. <laughs> it's like, it's not a selfie if someone else takes it. <laughs> but still not a selfie. Yeah, still not a selfie. <laughs> so I just like the little things like that, that uh, very clever lines it's, that's why I'd like this. Obviously, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I'm giving this one an A. So, okay, you know, I'm going to go A minus. At one point, I was thinking B plus, and then you know, earlier in the day, I thought, no, nah, it's it's. I'm going to go A minus. But but you know, even just mentioning the selfies, which which I'd forgotten about until you just brought it up. Again, I mean, that whole idea of people. I mean, what's what is a selfie? You're taking a picture of yourself, right? They're obsessed with yourself, right? Right. So it just yeah. it just fits in perfectly. Well, and it's also like there's a couple of things that are tiebacks to other episodes, right? So obviously taking the selfies with the one uh, with Dorian Gray, and then the atomizer, which was just a couple of episodes ago with uh, the Oracle of Delphi, who was spraying herself with water, right, all the time. Yeah, you know what? I may have to go full blown A. Well, I'll decide when go. I put the grades on the, on okay. the blog post. So. All right. Well, this was a, this was a good one. Like we said, three to go. I know. Um, it's always so sad. This it goes well. I guess it's going a little less quickly this year because there's no double episode nights. Which again, I like the double episode nights, but I also like that it's a little bit longer. We get to enjoy this a little bit longer. Which I guess we'll talk about a little bit more next week. We talk about uh, binging when you know someone drops a whole series at once. Yeah. So. All right. Well, until then, want to thank you guys for joining us. Love to hear from you. Follow-ups about any of the Librarians episodes, anything else you think we should be watching. I'd like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word. As we said, email sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can send us a voicemail. And we'll be back next week to discuss Season 3, Episode 8, titled The Librarians and the Eternal Question. But until then... Well, you know, it's so funny because, like, sometimes every now and then you have parents will be visiting the school and come and drop stuff off their kids. Then, you know, when they see you as a teacher, it's funny when they say, oh, thank God, an actual grown-up. Everyone here is on drugs or something.